0: tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. Hello, listeners. It has been a while. Uh, it has been a couple of months since we've actually had a uh, interview. So uh, we are back with uh, Feature Fridays. Right now, I do have Russ from Amazing Arizona Comics. Go ahead, Russ. Um, introduce yourself. Hey everybody, my name is Russ hey. Kazmirzak. Don't worry about trying to pronounce my name. Just call me Russ. And uh, I am the uh, creator, uh, writer, and artist behind the mini comic Amazing Arizona Comics, which is uh, a mini comic satire, superhero satire, but Arizona news history and culture. I can uh, definitely tell by uh, looking at some of the covers right now. <laughs> definitely, satire. Sure. <laughs> All right. Um, so, um, like I mentioned before, um, you know, I'd like to start off light and then uh, jump into sure. the more in deep you know, conversational questions. Sure. Uh, so I gotta ask you right now, man. You know, especially since you're doing comics. So I gotta ask you, you know, what books or what comics are you reading at the moment? Oh boy. Um, I'm not reading a lot of new titles. Uh, I think a lot of folks my age might have a similar answer right now, but I'm not really connected to the stuff I used to read only because of reboots, uh, continuity changes, and stuff Uh, like that. It's difficult to uh, to reconnect uh, with characters when I experienced such a momentum when I was a kid. So when I was younger. Uh, you say it, uh, indie titles or classic characters, uh, they kind of inform the way I like to tell my story, so, as far as the last comic I read, it was actually a Tarzan comic. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Disney's Tarzan? No, uh, classic Edgar Rice Rose, uh, even was produced by Uh, before we go any further, um, I just want to go ahead and say if it's a little bit noisy. I do apologize. We're actually in a live setting. Uh, we're recording in a coffee shop. So if you get any background, that's, uh, that's why. A, yeah, that's why i yeah. This is where I go wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. Trust So the next question is, uh, you know, what are you currently listening to? I've been listening, to? Live- listening to? Listen to the same sure. stuff since I was a link to so, today, I listened to the Crash Test Dummies' La La Album. Um, people know the Crash Test Dummies most from that song. Mm-hmm. you know that song? Um, I, there was this yeah. kid, like, oh, yeah. they would be classified as a, a one-hit wonder, basically, from the, the 90s. akin to your, your or uh, <laughs> Deep Blue something. But uh, they have a rich catalog a lot of albums, and um, they have a song called Superman's Song that I think every geek should listen to because I believe it may be the only reference to Solomon Grundy in something outside of comics. But um, I listened to them today. Uh, my favorite punk band is Face to Face. During summertime, I find myself drawn to their work. or just not album. Uh, my favorite singer songwriter is Dave Gray. And he came out with a few new singles a couple months ago, so I actually listening to those today. So that's what's on my, my YouTube playlist. Uh, any of your uh, the music you're listening you to influence your work at all? Uh, I drew my first issue to an this album. Uh, I listened to that song, like, Are You Here? on repeat. <laughs> you know, I'll drawing my first comic. Because it's almost like a challenge to myself. Like, am I in mean, this work to yes, I in?" Mean, um, but no, not really. Now I find myself listening to podcasts, like uh, stand up comedians' podcasts, mostly like WTF with Martin Barry, Bill uh, Burr's uh, Monday morning podcast, and uh, Thursday, Bowling uh, just before Friday podcast. I say that every week. Uh, Nick DiPaolo, Rayford Simmons, Gilbert Godfrey. You are. Uh, try to catch snippets of that. I the show on YouTube. Uh, Jim and Opie. Uh, well, not Jim. It's, uh, Jim and Sam. You know? You know, the show will be a bit of an influence show. People that know who those guys are, I want to talk about them. It's basically just like snippets of satellite radio and podcasts. Podcasting reviews. You have a podcast chat show, Stuff like that. That's what I listen to while I'm drawing. Or trying to get you know, the All right. And, um, you know, you did touch on we some things that do, um, you know, that does no, influence no. your work. So, what else in yeah, influences no. your work besides podcasts? Yeah. Besides like, music, uh, yeah. movies, and podcasts, yeah. so I would say um, traveling so, in that's that's Arizona. It takes me number a lot. I like seeing the states. Traveling on the number sixty six. It's a lot of fun to me. My broke and just because we did. That was a blast. Um, uh, uh, so local travel, staycations, and stuff like that. The news, uh, culture news, political news, but not deep, like, right? you know, three articles in it to both. It's more <laughs> like, just what does everybody know? What is Harvey reacting to on tmz why? That's about as deep as I go, because that's where I feel like the zeitgeist is. Like, that's kind of the, like, the first atmospheric layer of you know, awareness. And that's where I like to dwell with the comic book content um, so it's still entertaining okay. but it doesn't approach any bipartisanship, whether it's my opinion or whatever So I mean that's the stuff that generally informs economic based yeah. in Arizona about social politics. And um, how do you feel about, you know, the nature of comics and politics, you know, Go into those kind of issues. I love it. Well, I wish it did. I wish it happened more. And I feel like some of the best comics ever written uh, are the ones that are influenced by the, the political spirit of today. Think like, about Dark Magic Times that's got Ronald Reagan in it, hunting around on you know, <laughs> a motorized stroller, telling Superman what to do. Same here, you got Watchmen out, and that's commentary on the Cold War. Um, You know, it goes back to, I always say this, it goes back to like Action Comics number one, the standard Action Hero storytelling. It's a short 13 page story (laughs) and Superman is fighting like landlords and politicians. And I don't think those guys meant for that to be a political commentary at the time. But when you look back at it, it's an interesting little time capsule of Common man was afflicted by, and how he could read this thing in a state and see a hero that was fighting on his behalf. The heroes nowadays are fighting on their own behalf, so You know what I mean? Like the stories are so uh, introspective, incestuous in a way. And the film is plot is just a vengeance theme against the hero, and it's like I wish they pulled the lens back more and
1: in allegories allegory
0: to wow, what's going on in reality so readers can still project themselves into those scenarios. Uh, like you can only tell the story of Darkseid and trying to conquer the Earth <laughs> so many times before it's <laughs> like, alright, let's, let's get back to some boots on the ground. Vigilantism. You know, vigilantism. <laughs> so, uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Do I wish politics to made a Absolutely, I absolutely. Do you think, you know, um, it's going to get, uh, politics will will get more heavily involved in comics? I think so. I mean, when you think about it, DC Comics, especially, may have been a few years ahead of their time, by making Lex Luthor the president back in, I think, 2000. Yeah. So you have a, a millionaire, not a billionaire, think about this, you have a billionaire with a vendetta toward aliens. And a history of uh, malfeasance and villainy, <laughs> at the very least being bombastic in public, okay, at the very least best son there is, that running for president, defying the odds of leaving, and winning, and Superman and everybody else, and the guys are like, no, uh, huh? uh, that's what basically you what know, just happened. You yeah, have a billionaire with an toward aliens, and at best he's like preaching in public and privately. Who knows what kind of evil he's, he's discussing with, uh, with his uh, you know the counterpart, henchman, or whatever, and, uh, and he's on the press. So it's like if that were happening in the comics now, I'd be buying every DC title. They're telling the story, I'm living it, But it happened that way, and I appreciated what it was, but it wasn't then what it could be now. Uh, so there's a prophecy there, but um, not quite the uh, extension yeah. for entertainment that really Okay. That, yeah, and I mean, you mentioned uh, Watchmen, so that's one of my favorite sites. Like, oh, cool. I know. Yeah. i you will know, talk about that.
1: Right? That's <laughs> true.
0: <Absolutely. laughs> Um, so, from uh, what I got, a little bit of information from talking to you a little bit, um, and from a publicist, which she told me to before uh, setting up the interview. She says that, you know, uh, some of your, you know, your comments are, you know, politics and uh, kid-friendly. Do you have any uh, intentions to write something more towards, uh, you know, late teens, uh, adult, uh, you know, audiences? Sure. Yep. Uh, I don't. um Audience, because that's how I remember superhero college when I was a kid. And when they were mature themes, there was no even a way kids could understand. So, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, Venom was saying, oh, "I want to eat Spider-Man's brains." You know, that's pretty gruesome. <laughs> but there was something cartoony about it that didn't always offend my parents or parents in general. And it wasn't like, "Wow, what if he really did eat?" So I, mean, right. so, I mean, so I kind of take that approach where the threats are real but so melodramatic that they can't be taken uh, so seriously that a parent look to my book and say, hey, I don't want my kids reading this. Uh, I also kind of use Daniel O'Neill's Daniel approach to writing politically public. When you were re-manager he addressed heavy topics American rights, throughout news, and news. Oh, I know. Uh, oh, Feeney. Uh, Speedy, oh, yes. Me, do, do. It's in the name, Arrow. you not think that might happen. Be you name your next sidekick, Toki? Here's, uh, Captain, Captain H. We don't know what the stands is for you, but uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. We'll find, <laughs> I yeah, don't worry. About it. But Daniel O'Neill said of those yeah. comics, yeah. you know, and this is like speaking on the argument. He said of those comics, he figured they were a little too juvenile for an adult reader. I think he could get a really smart 12 year
1: old, and that's kind of the approach I
0: take with, 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 with my comics, I can get a really smart 12 year old. To start thinking about what SB 1070 means to him, uh, I feel like I, and he's entertained. and he's not like a real I'm not showing it down too early, uh, I feel like we should accomplish it. So that's the mentality of team for the story. really thought about it all the way through. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you got to you know, have a plan before you jump in and start yeah. project. Sure. I mean, when I started drawing that first issue, um, uh, I knew I wanted speed cameras to tackle. Speed cameras used to be hero. a yeah. living speed camera. And he yeah. tackled immigration. And uh, I knew that that issue. The issue of immigration in the first issue of the series, so it's an issue. Um, I knew that that was something I wanted superheroes to tackle. And, uh... It isn't as black and white as, like, you know, electro-rocking a band. It's a very gray, human issue. There aren't good guys or bad guys. How would superheroes deal with that stuff? And those are the kind of stories I want to tell. And I'll admit, I have a lot of old Henry endings where we don't reach a resolution per se, but that particular adventure is a kind of tiny boat that's wrapped around it. And it's really the best way to do it because I still want these things to be entertaining. Right. You know, um, we can deal with enough of the issue perpetually. You know, why should the comic uh, leave the reader in this quandary? That's what reality is. You know, so the adventure itself ends. it gives you happy enough uh, But yeah, it definitely presents the issues in a different way, so anybody, adults, kids, can read it. You're like, oh, i never thought of that one before. Oh, um, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's because suddenly really breaking up families, moving lives, but yeah, it was fun in this issue. <laughs> cool. And, um, I'm looking at the cover right now, and uh, let me take a guess. Is this, uh, I mean, it looks like Richard Nixon dressed up as Ronald McDonald. Whoa, am, I, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just Ronald McDonald. Oh, okay. It's, um, it's my take on what uh, the fast food mass, fast food restaurant mascots really be cool. like. So, um, did yeah. you ever see the movie? No. There's one scene that folks are potentially familiar with. It's in the movie. It's in the future, you know. And Sandra Bullock is driving Sylvester to the fancy dinner. And it has been frozen, I think it is. So he's thought out in the future. So he's like from our time. And he thought about And we're going to go to a fancy dinner. She says, and Where are we going? We're going to Taco Bell. And he's like, Taco Bell? And she says, Yeah, Taco Bell from the franchise works. So the presumption is that there was this like meaning a battle for franchise dominance. Taco Bell won and so now every restaurant has a Taco Bell. So I took that literally. What if every restaurant's fast food mascot, kind of literal world of the franchise war, were real, and these characters fought one another? So I had that idea for a comic a long time ago, and when I decided to do this one, I thought why not just kind of grandfather concept in? so Ronald McDonald is a real McDonald's mascot. He's been around as long as the restaurant has been, so that's why he looks so kind of the dark of returns of the McDonald's mythology. Um And he's defending his employees sent by uh, that that the sheriff or pilot wants to round up, because some of them may be illegal. Uh, he, he said okay. he Speed Cameron's been rounding up. Speed Cameron ends up fighting. Around. So that's the general, <laughs> that's the general <laughs> prejudice of the first person. And, and uh, at the time I was running and drawing that, yeah. Sheriff Arpaio was really conducting immigration raids on McDonald's and Stockton. Oh, wow. So that's in yeah. 2010. So that's why I had the idea of, well, I'm with for immigration and I've had this kooky idea for best food and stuff for a long time. I'm just going to mash them together. And if I only make one comic, so then I can at least say it's every idea I've ever had in that comic. So it was such a fun thing to write, I, I just didn't know. That. That's why. Damn, you made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, everybody, you know, goes through this, so what struggles have you faced or had to overcome while working on a specific project? What struggles have I faced or had to overcome while working on the comic? Yeah. Um, writer's block is probably one of the biggest, um, as far as uh, having a, an outline for a story in mind, but not knowing how to fill X amount of pages, so it's, it's an interesting enough story for readers to enjoy. Um, that's something I go through, because I kind of write my comics via the Marvel method with myself. So I outline the story, start drawing the pages that I scripted later. And while I'm drawing the pages, I kind of determine the choreography of the page layout and characters. Who's going to speak first, and then, you know, um, so sometimes uh, I'll have a great idea for a story. I'm like, well, that's three pages, you know what I mean? But I'd like to make that look the next issue. And I like every issue to be kind of individually so that you don't have to buy them all into one. Uh, so do I have this idea with some plot, B story? Do I want to have things weave into other issues in such a way? Uh, so, you know, I kind of go through that struggle. If I start drawing for any given amount of time, uh, it's hard to jump back into it. So that's like a, it's not a writer's block, and then like an artist's like a drawing block, drawing uh, where I might have great ideas, but I haven't drawn pages So to start drawing pages again requires a bit of finesse and a bit of inspiration for me. Um, so that's that. Sometimes having too much to do as far as energy is a challenge too, like have all these ideas. That hours of drawing board at night, you know, I don't want my girlfriend to feel like she's paying attention to me. Uh, so there's all that that goes into wanting to put out a consistent product, but also wanting to be the best product you can make. So uh, you go for quality or quantity. And uh, how do you overcome uh, writer's block? I, uh, I, I try to be patient. Um For folks that write fiction or poetry and stuff like that, which I do from time to time too, there are tricks you can use. Uh, I've heard of folks pulling a card from a tarot deck or a regular deck of cards, trying to use that as an inspiration, Uh, trying to write the story from a different character's point of view, Uh, starting at the end and then flashing back to, to. the events that got you there. Stuff like that applies to a lot of forms of, of storytelling when it comes to comics. Um, and since I'm writing and drawing things, those two techniques are so married to each other that if one's not working, the other one is going to suffer. So if I got to double down, would, you know, and if I don't know where the story's going to go, but I feel like I really need to start putting pen to paper with, with the, illustri- the illustration in, um, what I usually do is to start drawing an action scene, start drawing a fight and building motivation around the action. So I know it's entertaining to the reader. And then hopefully by, by you know, putting some meat on those bones, uh, it creates a substantial story with some thematic uh, intent. One of the last books I, I was working on, number 29, Santa Claus and Speed Cameron are chasing me a sentient turkey, so if you talk, is aware of existence. So they're chasing this turkey because, uh, you know, if this turkey is seen in the world of talking, it's going to throw off the natural order. It's like, oh my God, that turkey can talk. It's so close to Thanksgiving. We're we're supposed to eat turkey. We can't eat this. It's talking now. So they're chasing down this turkey. I knew I wanted the story to be 12 pages long. I had about eight pages of content. They changed the turkey to put it Rock. And that was about page one. So I didn't know what to do uh, at that point. I just dropped in a character named Phil Grimm, who is uh, a pilgrim. Phil Grimm, a pilgrim. A pilgrim. <laughs> and, you know, all, my, all my characters are all characters. <laughs> I dropped in Phil Grimm, who... Wants to stop the Sweet Cameron and Santa Claus from befriending the turkey. He wants to just destroy the turkey to reclaim the man's dominance in America, in the nation, in the land that man founded righteous. And that wasn't a plan at the beginning of the story. But it really helped fill three pages and then add a different dimension to the turkey's motivations for running the way you want. So that was fun, and it helped overcome a little bit of writer's block. And it added action to something that was otherwise going to be a lot of Narrative and ultimately maybe not a fun mini comic to read or make. So I was able to add, like, oh, the third act has a villain now. Um, it was a weird little twisty, but I didn't see coming from us when we brought him on the page. Okay, I gave him a sideboard worm. He's, doing a film. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> he's a grim, still so. grim. <laughs> Have you ever, um, you know, say you're, tra- you're done drawing a couple of panels and then after you draw them, you're like, oh crap, you know, it doesn't, the dialogue doesn't work. So have you ever had a rewrite, you know, dialogue YouTube? And yeah, sure. Really yeah, I think bit. every artist, yeah. I think every uh, writer this drawing on the drawing finds himself. Like, when you start doing you should just, uh, think about, it. rethink this dialogue. Okay. okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what would you say is more difficult, um, actually illustrating yeah. or, or writing? I only draw my comedy because uh, I don't think anyone else will it, so I don't fancy myself I'm an illustrator. I just do it by nature. Yeah, the same story. But at the same time, I'm not bad. I'm just not the best, you know. So I, because, uh, I definitely enjoy the writing more. I want the reader at the end of the story to have like a moment. Usually when I pick up a comic, a comic book, I'll go to the last page and read the last one. And if the last one is grabber, I'm going to buy it. Uh, I really want to be left with something. And so I make sure I provide that as a writer. The, the last panel might not look as great as I want that area, but that's almost irregardless to be grabbed. It's almost like if you're watching, you know, like the Fast and Furious franchise. We keep trying to shove this theme of family yeah. out of the park. We're a family. Dom, how can you betray your family? And so, like, you have these huge explosions. It's really goofy action, like there's sports cars running from a submarine on a sheet of ice. that's a frozen lake. And it's just like, this is ridiculous. Why am I looking at this? This is crazy. And then at the end of the movie, spoilers, everything <laughs> <of 30> <laughs> <laughs> so say you're driving down the ten, yeah. okay, and then all of a sudden it creates a spark. Strikes. So what do you do? By uh, recording in my phone. You're recording your phone? <laughs> I have a voice recorder, an app I have downloaded just. Uh, in fact, I spend a lot of time driving for my day job, and I've started a podcast called stuck in traffic, just about my random thoughts regarding traffic. Why, why is there traffic? Why do people drive this way? I was having those thoughts, and I thought, well, why not just record them now that I'm here? So, uh, yeah, if anybody finds themselves in that predicament, I would say just a lot of phones, you know, you can say no to self and create an email. to okay. yourself. Yeah, I don't know if that's for the that's thing or what, but uh, I do that a lot. Okay. So, are you going to cover all the stupid long-way, or one-way accidents we have been having? Uh, you know what? I really should do an episode on that. Um, it's such a weird <laughs> problem, because how does it happen? Like, right? just don't drink really so much in that drive. You don't know how to get on the freeway. I don't know how else to... <laughs> I faced a one-way, a, a long-way driver once on Grand Avenue, on the west side of town. It to, was a... Middle you know, of the day, an old couple. It's very bad yeah. and can be confusing at intersections if you the area. Yeah. Yeah. So it was at the 75th yeah. Avenue, Dunlap, Grand Avenue intersection. Oh, that's
1: far. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And um, they were coming, they were going um, basically like east yeah. of West Conway. And cars in front of me had changed lanes pretty quickly. And naturally, I couldn't see what they were seeing. So what's going on? And then finally I'm face to face with they were going like twenty miles. Down. They were terrible. So they clearly just got on the road the wrong way. And I pulled over, you know, I was able to like even you know, turn my signal on and pull over civilly. Um, so I mean in a situation like that, they were in a, the like I am, um, left lowest, left-most lane from right-most. why do get in the rightmost lane? So as soon as an exit or another street presented itself, they could turn off. of the wrong way in the direction they were driving. To me, that would be the common-sense approach, is if you find yourself driving the wrong way, like you're loosening the your shoulder, and you're like, oh, I know. you are got to get in right-most. Because that's the slow lane, number one, uh, so people are, you know, barely at you at 80 miles an hour. And then two, that's where the exit on and off-ramp is. So you presumably just drove on and off-ramp, right the next off-ramp, right. coming soon, get off, you know what I mean? That like, so that's the podcast right there. It's like, does you stay right? if you're the wrong way driver... Get as right as you can so you have the next amount of turn. Otherwise, you're sandwiched between the long-way traffic and the other lanes you should be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought about All right, so uh, ABC or, you know, the other uh, CBS, all the other news stations, if you're listening. This man is just solved I have KTAR. You know, yeah, like, I I like Detour Dan called me. I the know what to do. It's ridiculous. None of this should be happening. <laughs> and you know, Arizona isn't, from what I heard recently, Arizona isn't the leading state in that problem. There are other states that have that problem. More, More severely. severely. Yeah, I think Texas is of and it's weird. I don't understand why that's like a trend. You know, and it makes you wonder: does that happen a lot? And it's just a trend in the news. Sorry, that's how outrageous I am. <laughs> like, for example, if there's ever like a, a series of missing children, in a know, that's all you hear about in the news. And then all of a sudden, there are missing children. You know, there are still missing children. Or children are drowning, for example, or we just go these cycles of trends in the news? And it just begs the question now, were there always wrong with drivers? And now we're just going through this real trend of covering them more thoroughly because it's interesting and it's been more dramatic than usual. I don't know. It's it's,
1: it's it's harrowing
0: to think that maybe the news uh, is is withholding some information sometimes because it's just not the thing. right I mean, uh, we can talk about that but even <laughs> in detail, but you know this is not the kind of podcast. Oh, sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: that's all I have to say on the
0: subject. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you been involved in this project or how long has it been since you actually started working on all of these? I Comics specifically started in 2010. I moved back to the Valley I grew up here in Newark. Of town, but I moved back here in 2010 after living in California for a while. And I wanted to continue self-publishing. I had been self-publishing with a friend of mine. He would draw the scripts I write. His name's Brent O80, super talented. Brent Ot dot com. So check it out. And uh, when I moved back here I decided, well, I want to keep writing and self-publishing, but now I'm gonna have to draw yeah. That's why I say I will prioritize my myself as a artist, a first writer, year, and the other way around. I've always drawn and designed characters and stuff, but I found myself in a position where I've got to do it all myself. So I did several issues myself, starting in 2010, publishing what I felt like it first in the first year I did three, the second year I four. So when I was like, really hitting my stride, I was running or problems. And that's when I really stopped feeling a sense of wonder about the number on the cover. Well, I'm really into this. And I think I kinda of regrouped mentally around issue ten. I'm in double digits, I'm on issue ten. And I'm in an issue thirty one. So it's like, holy crap, man, like some DC comics to make it this long. Yeah. Some creative teams choose not to make it this long. My brother started colouring with me around issue ten. He retroactively went back to the other issues. So, um, now he and I are in this kind of collaborative effort. Uh, it's very rewarding, a lot of fun, and I can't imagine not doing it so, When you first started, were you really nervous? Oh, yeah. 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 I drew the first page a couple of times. And I, even, I was just looking at some sketchbooks where I saw some really sloppy thumbnails on the first page. And they're embarrassing, but they're. Just, Interesting to look at too, because like, oh, look how far I've come. That looks like a child of ten. That looks like a ten-year-old child looking at you Now I'm drawing it like a fifteen-year-old so I feel pretty good about it. But uh, uh, yeah, I was very nervous. What I ended up doing, and what I still kind of do when I start drawing, is I start in the middle of the book, around page six or seven, and then I draw out back to pages one or whatever the last page. I try to do, like, twelve page story, Sometimes like, as short as eight. I've done as long as 24. So I start in the middle. That way, my least confident, crappiest work is in the middle of it. And by the time I really feel good about what I'm drawing, I'm on the first and last pages. That's New Year's first and last impression. And so then it gives me confidence as the artist. If the best stuff I drew is the first thing they'll see and the last thing they'll see. So anybody that's trying to create their own material that finds themselves well, really care about their work, I would say do it that way. Because it works for me. If you have a script or a story outline, and you know what's happening on every page, you don't have to start on the first page. You can start on page seven. You know, that might be a talking hit page. You know, a lot of action. Um, kind of get your stride to something simple like that. And then as the story... Expands and becomes more action back at the end of your first yeah. act, beginning of your third act. Now you're feeling um, really confident with your drawing. And uh, yeah. before you know it, you'll be done. Wow. It's like, oh wow, and the first page looks great, the last page looks great. Draw the cover last, that's what you know, you're full, the muscles you know what I mean? Like the muscles are flexed, you're pumping, you know, you're pumping that iron, you know, it's like flexing them up, it really is. Like, you warm up in the middle, and then by the end, you're like, you kind of start to feel the burn and sweat and you're working and you're eating that eating that runner's high is I guess the metaphor. The endorphin's right? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. obviously I don't work out, so I don't know what really happens to people. But <laughs> something happens where they enjoy it, and that's the one I don't understand. But as an artist, I start to enjoy it when I'm wow, that looks great. And I'll draw to cover that's kind of it's your and that's just so selling so and, um, you know, you kind of took the Sam Raimi um, approach. Uh, one of those Spider-Man movies, he actually uh, filmed the, the end first and then started back up from the beginning and then the oh, I movie, that. Uh, oh, cool, okay. I think well, that, that explains why a lot of those uh, last fight scenes, in the first one, yeah. More yeah. Yeah. Earth, and second ones, are a little more down-to-earth than uh, Supergirl fights in movies. they So usually just, like, wow. special offense uh, dumps. You know what yeah. I mean? Really, really. Fire, like Fire lightning. I mean, Wonder Woman was amazing, but that fight with Ares, like you know, flying, tipping around in the air, it's yeah, like, this is down to earth, the entire movie's been up to this point. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah, you know, he was sort of starting there. Didn't yeah, I yeah. uh, actually thought that the last fight scene with Ares Wonder Woman, spoiler alert, yeah. um, was just, you know, let me down, actually. Yeah, that's not what I was expecting at all. Compared to how great the rest of the movie was, fortunately, the rest of the movie was so good. Yeah. Because, yeah. I suspected this point. I thought the movie was groundbreaking in a way that might see might be different. And I kind of was like, oh, it's you know. I and mean, she busted out of that, what she like boiled up in asphalt or metal or something. I think, I think like, it was metal. Yeah. That- and she busts out of it. That moment forward to me was just I don't know. Say, the rest the movie up to that point had not been seen. The same. And then it got to that same scene. it's just hero versus villain and its special effects. You would think that these are basically gods fights. Right. It, it should be jarring to watch, but it shouldn't be so sort of discombobulating that we as mere mortars should be at all. We should be at all what we're saying. Like, I don't even know what I'm looking at lightning and from the bracelets dialogue, dialogue. Yeah. The guy still has the mustache. <laughs> I thought it was weird that we could see Larry's mask that will click face but it's still that actor. Like, by then I wanted him to be a little more ethereal. Um, you know, maybe more, like, the comics were just, like, dark and eyes. But it was still that weird... <laughs> it just looks like somebody's that's creepy that's uncle. Like, that's the big Wonder Woman, that's the big, that's the god of war? Yeah. <laughs> Even in the flashback spoilers, you still have that mustache thing going on, too. Yeah, and I thought that was weird. Yeah. That was really weird. Like, that's what you've looked like for eternity? Is somebody yeah, that would have so a bad guy in a yeah. law and order, that's what you look <laughs> like? Okay, here, he's got a lord, what does he mean? <laughs> <see you? Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Um, Obviously, you've been doing this for a couple of years, so now, do you feel like your relationship with these characters that you've created and brought to life in these pages, you know, I'm definitely involved in a clearer relationship with this type What kind of, what of, kind of relationship? <laughs> more yeah. oh, clear, more consistent relationship with these. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. Uh, I certainly have. Like, I can't imagine my life without sweet people. So, obviously,
1: every
0: artist kind of artist yeah. is the character they create. I don't know if the topic is wrong with the spawn, but, you know... Um, if you're writing in the first person, you are, you're using your own personality as the baseline to make TV prepare. So speed cameras, you know, quickness to react to situations. When he's stunned by certain things, that's how I would be. I mean, the guy's got super speed, but he gets hit a lot. And I think uh, that's because, you know, I know in my own mind I would probably freeze and analyze instead of fight and either regret or in front of myself. So, like, that's where he is. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, I can't imagine not writing or drawing and all the other characters, too. Like, I have probably a stable of 17 characters that dip in and out of the books at various times and they all represent different parts of Arizona, cities or aspects of our climate and culture. Um, with more to come, too. Like, I always think there's more and, uh, yeah, yeah, they all have backstories, all of their, you know, like everything gets crushed out pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, I can't imagine not doing this because of the relationships yeah. I have in my life. Yeah, I said, nah, I, I have a feeling you want to go on for, you know, 10, 20 more years. Sure. I well, something crazy happens when I move, but I think I would even take the characters with me somehow to make a national... Heroes, are oh, some in Chicago and we keep writing stories kind of start in Arizona and spiral out you know other Eric Larson for example he likes Savage Dragon and it's a place in Chicago he lives in Oakland so I always wonder like you know you were close enough to a major city like San Francisco why would you start in your story there so you can draw the landmarks and, and feel that kind of organic connection to your, to your story uh, for some reason Chicago New York, uh, Los Angeles, those, those are kind of the big three that you get all the action. In other major metropolitan cities like Phoenix, uh, sometimes Boston, Philadelphia, you kind of get the short end of a stick. And then like an exotic metropolitan locale would be like Miami or New Orleans, and so let's put the Punisher there for a movie so it'll be exotic, you know. It's like, it doesn't fit. You could put the superhero there, but why that one? Why shoehorn something in a up of characters and there are characters that would feel more natural them. You know what I mean? Like the Punisher discovery of his slain family on a Miami dock, like he did in that Thomas J movie, it is not the same as him. Yeah. In the heart of New York City at Central Park, right? surrounded by basically passers by the military, that adds to the tragedy. It's not like he buries his family and then has a my tie. It doesn't quite. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But... <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like, characters have natural. Spider Man is a New York character. You know what I mean? Gotham is... Batman is Gotham and vice versa. Uh, even the West Coast Avengers, you know, they kind of embraced that side of the country. So um, I feel like that's important. And if I ever stopped, uh, if I were to move out of Arizona, I would have to find a way to adapt right I think you make it could happen, I think would make it work. Uh, I think so. I think mean, I figures like, yeah. San yeah, That's pretty <laughs> southwestern, yeah. so I have to figure something else out, but, uh, yeah. I'd make it, I'd make it, it. it work somewhere yeah. in Texas, New Mexico. There you go. Yeah, uh, as long people. as I need not leave, like, a uh, uh, radius of 800 miles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, uh, what's the one big message, uh, you yeah. want, you know, your yeah. readers, yeah. uh, or the listeners, you know, uh, to take at this moment uh, from your work, um, from everything that you're involved in. Wow. One big message: um, Do what you love, and it's so lame. Uh, sticker, but like, I genuinely love comics that have this kind of edge to them. Uh, a relatability a little uh, uh awareness and viability. So that's the kind of comic I make. I don't think comic I feel like people um, I feel like I don't make a comic that angers to a general audience. Some people don't want politics in comics. My comic's not for them. Um, some people think it's weird that it takes place in Arizona and we live in Arizona and I want to
1: read stories that are
0: bigger or more oriented in fantasy, well then this comic's not for you. There are many other stories that are for Go read Else there, If you don't want to read a story that takes place in your own backyard. Uh, and that's that's just because it's it's what I love. This is these are the kind of comics I would look for an indie comic on indie comic graphs or an indie comic book show. You know, I host a local late night talk show. It's called Phoenix Tonight on YouTube Phoenix Tonight. And I do that because I love late night TV. So why not recreate the thing I love for people here? But you know, kind of find their own reference or passion for it, and then go back and maybe. You know, oh wow! Why didn't I watch *Larman* videos on TV stuff so, like that? Like, find your individuality and in your voice, and put it out there without shame, without necessity for uh, camaraderie, and you will find your audience uh, naturally. That would be my. Pleasure. And um, if you could give any advice uh, to anyone listening right now that wants to try something like this, whether it be a podcast, uh, whether it be a late-night talk show, or, you know, getting involved with the comics, uh, whether it be illustrating or writing comics, what would that, you know, what would your advice then be? Oh, man, d- just do it. It's so <laughs> just <to give laughs> good. Just give advice. But get one done. Get one done. And then you'll find yourself with inertia, you know, with momentum. Get one done, get it in front of people. Um, There is no need to run anything by committee. You know, like, oh, let me have a friend edit this. Forget all that, man, because they're gonna put their own voice, their own flavor into it. They're gonna tell you the story they wish they can tell through your talent. Just do it yourself. Like I know my stuck in traffic, Stuck in Traffic podcast I alluded do is, is practically unlistenable. Like it is me angry in traffic. That's all the podcast is. I've recorded like twelve of them and I have no intention on stopping. And I don't know if anybody listens to them, it is entertained by them. But it helps me get that energy out in a way that's ultimately positive. Like, look, I made a creative thing here, and I made the best of a bad situation. If I ran that idea by people, hey, I want to record a podcast. You know, when I get stuck in traffic, I just press record and talk. They would have their own interpretations of what that project is. And I'll tell you what, if you have an interpretation that is so unique. Uh, that it would stand apart from my idea, just go do that. Like you don't need to inflict that editorial on me. I'll give you notes. Go do it yourself. You know what I mean? The content, not commentary. So many people drop or waste great ideas in Facebook comments. I mean, just make that money for you to post and stand by it instead of burying it under somebody else's idea and not you are just you just tell it. Uh, that's an issue. Approaching creatively, get it out there proactively. Uh, stand by it, and then you find your audience that way. I mean, I know I have kids that read my comic as young as twelve years old, and I know that when I'm at Comic-Con, the readers uh, come up to my table, they're 40, 50-year-old groups, <laughs> they're into political cartoons, social political yeah. commentary, like I know I'm getting a sweet spot cool. with a gamut there, and I think it's because I'm writing the stories I liked reading at 12, and now I'm 37, so it's not a coincidence that 12-year-olds are enjoying it. As much as guys in my 40s. Like, it's, it's me feeling through, and I'm finding my tribe. So, don't cater, don't bury it, make it not a comment, but the content. Just put it out there in assertively you, and you'll be able to stand by it from the beginning. And, begin and uh, where can we find your comment? Uh, AmazingArizonaComics.com is the website, uh, at AmazingAZ Comics is the Instagram, and I probably update that, I try to update that like two, three times a day, honestly, and that's where everything is, from the talk show, to the podcast, to the comic, to the road trips, <laughs> to, ooh, look what I'm eating, um, no, I don't post any food pictures, but, uh, <laughs> Amazing! Easy comics which is the uh, the, uh, the Instagram and Twitter. I've uh, got some events coming up too. I'll mention if folks want to actually like see me in person. I'll be drawing in the window and drawing the Congress in downtown Glendale, Arizona on June twenty-fourth for twenty-four consecutive hours. I'm gonna start at one PM and then I'll end Sunday, the twenty fifth at one p.m. drawing presumably a page every hour. It's called the Twenty Four Hour Challenge. I've done it for three years. Uh, I like being on display like a like a monkey in a window. Uh, sorry Bill Maher, I said monkey. But um People can come watch the issue that I will complete, like unfold and see me drawing on, it. uh, And it's a lot of fun. Uh, I may do a, a thing like I did last year, where every hour I'm sponsored, and I raise money for a charity. I may do that to see. You can you can follow that amazing, amazing comics on Instagram to know for sure. But that's happening. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make another event that's happening on June twenty fourth because I'll be in this window drawing. But you don't want to go to, you can go to Downtown Window like during the day, watch me drawing in the window, and then at night go to the Wasted Scene Distro. Have you ever heard of that at all? No. So over here on Sixteenth um, Street, no. We should talk to the ladies uh, that run that. It's very they run like one of the valleys only. Scene shops. And uh, they're doing an art gallery that night, and I'm contributing some pieces to that. So it's the opening, and I won't be able to be there. I will not miss out on the cheese and the salami, and, uh, the, the boxed wine, but uh, everything, all the snacks, the Ritz crackers that you can get, and a gallery opening. But I'm going to have some pieces there. So June 24th, come to comics, watch me throwing your a window that night. Go hang out with some other artists, and I'll have some stuff going strictly on a walk there. the wall there. The Hive, it's called, and you can also look it up by raising the So that stuff's coming up in the very near future. So yeah. it's on the to-do list right now. on calendar. All right, so um, you know, besides sent a comment. Where can we, need, uh, where can we find you uh, besides Twitter and uh, Instagram? Do we have any other social media handles? No, it's pretty much all Amazing AC Comics. You uh, can look for Phoenix Tonight on YouTube. That's my late night talk show. Okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, there I've interviewed. It's a late night talk show, so I deliver a monologue. And I uh, interview celebrity guests. Oh, yes. I've had Brian Augustin on there. Uh, Tommy uh Brian Augustin got from The Gath by Gaslight or Flash. I've uh, had Bruce St. James on there. KTR Radio personality. Bruce St. James. Local actor uh, Philip Haldeman from the cult classic The Room. Uh, what else have I had? Robin Nash. She's on a hip-hop radio station that I don't listen to. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can find all of that uh, <laughs> tonight. But so I'm pretty proud of that. That's a monthly week. Monthly? Okay. Yeah. Sweet. All right. And, um, you know, yeah. just, I uh, want to go ahead and remind you guys that uh, you can find yeah. a link radio on Facebook as Geek Radio. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Geek Radio, Instagram also at Geek Radio. Uh, you can find this podcast uh, and some other podcasts um, at Geek Radio.com. That's where we have our archived episodes. You can also find us on iTunes at Geek Radio. Uh, that's where this will be posted and uh, amongst all other social media handles. And I uh, just want to go ahead and say I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And I do want to go ahead and let you know, Russ, that every episode can end with uh, Geek Out. So if you want to join me and say Geek Out, I'll do the countdown, and then we'll start it. All right? Okay. So, listeners, always remember to Geek 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 Out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.